Hi, and welcome to Telepathic TV. This is television that you watch with your third eye, and as always, I'm R. Neville Johnston. And I'm Mary Field, and our program is about raising our consciousness. And tonight we're going to talk about the subject of compassion, and specifically compassion versus enabling, and just compassion in general. Compassion is a very interesting subject. It is indeed. And it's uh, not what we think it is, or it doesn't have to be what mm -hmm. we think it is, and that would be the purpose of our program. Another purpose is to introduce the true time, uh, which is not uh, the 1st of July, 2010. It is actually... The sixth day in the creative cycle, and it's can. So today is balancing, to me... The, the tactile world with your emotional world and your mental world and your spiritual world, that they're all happening, they're all the same thing, just happening on different levels, dimensional planes. And the uh, tribe of Ken always comes up when it's a particularly good time to plant seeds. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's what our, another thing that our program is very prone to do, is the planting seeds in people's thinking, which uh, perhaps years later, uh, begin to bloom, begin to be part of the way in which we think. Mm -hmm. uh, towards that end, we're, um, I'll be doing a class on the subject of switching from polar thinking, it's good, it's bad, it's good, it's bad, it's good, it's bad, I'm exhausted, to triangulated thinking, where good and bad are actually... You wear those triangular hats. Where good and bad actually become the same thing because they are both teachers. I agree. And we, uh, which way you're taught is entirely up to you. I, I would say if, if somebody were to ask us the basic philosophy that we've been teaching for, together for ten and a half yeah. years, I would say it is that, that you must get beyond the land of right and wrong before you're ever going to make any traction in your life, mm -hmm. and that there is a unifying perspective on all things, and that's really the bottom line of, yeah. of everything. And that um, if you can get to the unifying perspective, you're not going to be in the hatred and the anger and the judgment and the hostility. You just won't be. Yeah, and this unifying yeah. field, living in this place where it's okay to be, because the world we live in, it's not okay to be. Yeah. And um, the relentless pursuit of fictional enemies, well, et cetera, et cetera. Well, a lot of, just on the subject of compassion, a lot of times people think compassion is the yes word. It's always you know, to go and say yes to somebody, somebody in quote-unquote need, and you are in a position to help them, you use compassion to put yourself in their place and then to give or to assist and help. But we don't realize that compassion often, just as often as it is a yes, it's a no. And sometimes not taking on other people's stuff in a codependent way is far more compassionate than stepping in there and doing it. So our no is a very, very sacred thing. And our yeses mean nothing without no's. So it's very important to have both, not all A lot no, of times yes. when we uh, have this consistency of, of giving because someone looks needy, we're simply read as a mark. I mean, it is that simple. We are understood to be um, a free lunch. We're understood to yes. be... And that, yeah, and then you that. are interpreted it that way, which is not actually accurate. And we have worked with so many people for so long, and a, a lot of the people we have worked with will simply reveal their very early trauma, which is a very, you know, and it's in a safe place for them to do it. Mm -hmm. So it's good to find that, quote, safe place uh, in this method. Now, um, 
the idea of uh, saying no to someone who is panhandling, okay, is a very compassionate thing to do because it will cause the person to search for another method by which they can support themselves. It's actually, in my opinion, more compassionate than giving them money, although there is pay it forward. There is the idea that sometimes you do, but you cannot always do that. You will have no money left. You yourself will be homeless. That is not the way that works. So there is sometimes when you do that, but most of the time, uh uh-uh, because you'll just be read as an easy mark and you will enable them to remain homeless. That's all you're doing. You know, something I've discovered over the years working with people and studying and working with myself Mm -hmm. is that it's really to question or to ask yourself, what are my motives? What are my motives here? And if my motive is funded through love, then it's always the right thing for you and the right thing for the other person. If your motive is guilt, then Uh. it is not the right thing for either one of you. And that's where you um, get to the place where you can use your own instincts to tell you what this really is. And, And it feels very different to act out of love than it does out of guilt. And we're so conditioned to act out of guilt that we don't even know what love is. We think pity and guilt is an act of love, and it is not. And if you let your heart really tell you what's being funded by the universe, it's always the right thing for everybody. Well, that's a very important part of this whole thing. Now, in general, Mm -hmm. when we are compassionate towards someone, it is really pity. Mm -hmm. It is really feeling sorry for the person. Mm -hmm. And the sorry is the language code that woke me up because sorry is not real. It's just not. Uh, It's a very different way we would uh, admire that our audience might begin to think in that if you feel compassionate towards someone because you feel sorry for them, you have entered a very dark eddy, uh, a dark hole, a loop Mm -hmm. tape that's going to take your life force from you without funding you. Okay, so let us say that when we would feel compassionate towards this homeless person, we feel compassion for them because we are proud of them because a human being has agreed to deal their hand in such a way that they can find no one to invite them to be a guest in their home. That, that took an enormous amount of will. That took an incredible, because every human being is by their nature, if you dig deep enough, and sometimes you have to use blasting caps and pickaxes, but if you dig in there deep enough, you will find that the person has the heart of God, has this generosity in their nature. Now, when we feel sorry for someone and then act basing on our feelings sorry, what we're asking you to do is to switch that off and view the homeless person. I'm proud of that person. They agreed to play out a hand with no aces in it, I can tell you that. They agreed to play out a hand of... um, uh, just managing to spiral down through their lifetime. I want to admire that person for the guts to have agreed to play that plan for the uh, stalwartness that it took to sign the contract that said, I'm going to go down there, get so kicked around that I'm not even going to have a safe, pardon me, quote, safe place to go home to. This person is to be admired for that. You can be very proud of them, and then your compassion based on pride for them 
based on attaboy, you did a good job of this. And by the way, thank you for doing that good job because now I don't have to be the human being that played out the hand where I ended up with no place to retreat. That was very, very kind of you to do that. I have great compassion. I, this ended so many conflicts in my nature, switching off from sorrow to being uh, proud, uh, basically to love for the person. I have compassion for them, and the basic word is love for them, because they agreed, what a hand to play. And so we have changed our entire view of things. Now, once the word sorrow is the trip in that. You know, a thousand times a day you hear someone, oh, I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. Well, what the hell did you do? No, I got close to you. You're sorry about that. Well, you know what I mean. No, I don't. Why are you sorry you got close to me? I'm an American, and I came within three feet of you, and that's a violation of some American code where nobody's allowed to be closer than a yard to you. And I'm sorry about that. Did you mean it? Well, no, not at all. It's just what you, you know, almost stepped on your foot. Sorry about that. There's, and so I have rewritten me to the point where if someone says sorry, I say there is no sorrow involved. And then they look at me like I'm an alien creature, inspect me for aerials, wonder what exactly I've been eating or breathing or whatever that might be, and, and get a question mark in their auric field and then stumble off someplace, which is all right with me. But truly, there is, there is no sorrow. Everybody keeps creating it. As soon as you say it, you're beginning to create it, this entire concept. I love that expression. I think that's No all, sorrow? Yeah. Yeah, I, no sorrow one, involved. That's one of my favorite things you've ever said, honestly. Sorry about um, that. Arr. No sorrow involved. Yeah, see? Um, do this, people. Do it. Do it. I love it. I yeah. love it. And I think uh, that that's a, a wonderful yeah. thing to leave the and planet Earth with. And that was the click is, uh, is about compassion. Yeah. That the uh, sorrow, when, when the compassion is based on sorrow, mm -hmm. it's just messed up. Don't bother go away, stop thinking, go meditate for a while, recenter yourself and come back. Because that's not the way that works. <coughs> now, in a world where compassion is out of this true feeling for the person, instead of the knee-jerk of Yeah, that's kind sorrow. of the, the point that I was making, uh, whether it's sorrow mm -hmm. or guilt or oblige, whatever word we use. I, I have suggested for people to use like t take an entire day as often as they think of it and say, what was my motive? I just told that person their dress was lovely. What was my motive? And I think people's first reaction to that is, oh, I don't want to do that, um, but I I'm a bad person because my motive really was she's my boss and I wanted her to like me or whatever. <clears throat> Not to do it from a judgmental way, but to do it from an informational way and say, where is it that I'm acting out of love? And convert your life more to being funded through love than funded through guilt and fear and doubt and worry and all those other things that we talk about on the show mm -hmm. all the time. Well, there's a program called Lie to Me, which mm -hmm. is actually a very good, a good program. Show. And one of the characters does not lie, period, at least not last season. He hasn't really reemerged in the next season as an individual character the same way, but he's not different. But he doesn't lie at all. And he doesn't fit in socially whatsoever. He doesn't have a girlfriend. He doesn't have any real social skills because he will simply tell you the truth. 
if you've seen the movie The Invention of Lying, I believe that's the name of the movie, where an entire society, no one lied to anyone. They didn't even have a word for lying. They didn't have a word for truth either. But this guy uh, lies to a bank teller and says he's got $700 he doesn't have. And the bank clerk says, oh, must be a glitch in the system. Here's your $700, so sorry. So about a week later or a day later, he goes into a casino and says, I hit the jackpot, and no money came out. And the manager of the casino says, oh, so sorry. Get this man his money immediately. It must be something the matter with the machine, because the concept of a human being lying did not exist there. And I won't spoil the movie, because it's really a study. Go and see that movie. And the guy who doesn't lie at all doesn't fit into our society. That's a very interesting concept. And yeah, the, the rest of that research is up to you guys if you wish to do it, but it's a worthwhile thing to do, I would say. Now, another thing that... Well, oh, go ahead. Well, just go ahead. I, I have a few points. Um, well, done. I had wanted to change the subject slightly to the uh, subject of guilt. And uh, just guilt is such an amazing thing that guilt defeats logic uh, systematically. Each and every time, guilt defeats logic. Uh, in other words, it's 4 o'clock in the morning, there's a red light, you can very easily go through the red light, but you debate with a guilt until the light changes, and that can take 20 minutes or something at 4 in the morning. There's no other car on the road, never mind a police car. Why would the, the red light is designed for heavy traffic in the afternoon. It's not designed for 4 in the morning. And why wouldn't I go straight through? And if you do have the uh, credentials <coughs> and you do drive, that's, a, that's one of those code words, and you drive through the light all the way home, you're looking for a cop behind you. You fall asleep thinking about, was, there, was, that, was I photographed doing that? Am I going to get a ticket? Uh, and you get absolutely no peace. And there's no logical reason for the absence of peace, there's no reason not to drive through because you have the authority. I mean, when you're a small child and mom has said now or the parent watching you has said for the 15 millionth time, don't <laughs> run out in the street. And you're like 16 and you go, uh, I've, got, I've got my learner's permit and I can see that there's no car coming. So I can go. And then still the parent has to say, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Because you don't get your own authority when there is guilt involved. The first thing that guilt takes away from you is your personal authority. And we're vanishing that as soon as we're ready to vanish that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, guilt, guilt is a pesky little creature there, for sure. Well, and also guilt is not real. It's mm-hmm. not a real premise whatsoever. But it is a consciousness. Yeah. Uh, something I, I wanted to point out, too, about compassion is it's something that's learned. Compassion... Uh, obviously, we all will come to it eventually. It will become part of us eventually. But it is something that's learned. And therefore, you can learn to be more compassionate. Because compassionate, uh, compassion really is an understanding, and it's a panning up and looking at a larger picture. But we cannot be compassionate for others until we love ourselves and we're compassionate to ourselves. Otherwise, it really is just pity or it's funded through guilt. And I, I would like to just um, put some more emphasis on what I was saying earlier 
about look at everything that you do and ask what your motive is and do it from a suspension of judgment, a place of no judgment. And you start to see where it is you're living authentically and where you're not. Because true love, when we're not funding ourselves through any of these contrived things, these fears, then our, our love, our natural love pulls us and, and, and we go right through this. I had a dream a couple months ago where I, it was like one of these magical moments where I discovered the secret to world peace and it was something to do with loving the children and if we could get this next um, crop of babies, so to speak, out there loving themselves unconditionally. The world can change within one generation, but we have to mandate love, teach love and compassion where it was not known before and that it's possible. And so I was getting ready to go on the road to start this and George Bush was coming and, and um, was going to have me locked up for the rest of my life so I had a choice whether to flee and never see my family again or to be locked up so I chose to flee. And then I woke up. I thought that was an interesting dream. And so what it's saying is some of our conservative thoughts are keeping us from opening up to compassion. And we keep hatreds through generations and anger at each other, different races, cultures, religions, eye color, whatever it is. We keep these hatreds alive from one generation to the next. And that's what we have to stop. Stop all preceding hatred. Those blue-eyed people. Yeah, well, we understand that. It's a very interesting concept. In the galactic or universal picture, uh, as soon as a planet gets a, a dominant creature, by that I mean uh, like the human beings here on Earth, the universe sees that that group is divided into races. And they do that to do away with, this is the oddest thing, it took me a while to comprehend this because it is absolutely huge. Uh, they divide the dominant creature into races in order to do away with prejudice. And that's a very interesting concept. And it took me a while to figure out that, for example, uh, the United States referred to as the melting pot. Uh, if we go <clears throat> 150 years into the future, the average American will speak a couple different languages will we'll be a combination of virtually every gene base that there is now because there's a constant intermarriage of races, mm -hmm. okay, which is producing uh, a whole new human being uh, who will have all of the attributes of all of the races. I had a friend many years ago, uh, and he laughed. Uh, I asked him, you know, what's your um, background? I, I'm in his family origin. Like, where was his family from? And he goes, yeah, nobody can figure me out. And he goes, well, basically, I'm Hawaiian, but I'm part Japanese, I'm part black, I'm part white, I'm part everything. You can't figure this guy out. He's a little bit of everything. And that's who we're going to be, a little bit of everything. Uh, for example, my hair color is blonde and black and red and gray, all combined. And it depends on the mood I'm in, which hairs... You're kind like of a mood ring. Up. Yes, I am. Which hairs sprinkle Let's up to the top? Let's tickle It turns yeah. kind of pink and purple. And then we can tune me in, and that would make sense. But the idea of um, the all of the races amalgaming together. Now the final well, prejudice, they all began the one as we, one thing. So it would make sense that balance the balancing nature of the universe would bring them back to one thing. Now even when we get to the one thing, there will still be a prejudice. 
that we are not going to overcome, and that is genderism between male and female. So it is much further in time <coughs> before that will be dealt with, and we'll talk about that or, in some future show. We could ascend to the point where we're not looking for separations and things like that, which is really the way I feel it really could be approached and uh, taken in that direction, is to rise above and to how can I see a bigger and bigger picture, and that bigger pictures are safe and bigger pictures are good or, or whatever word that somebody would use to open up to that. <coughs> and if you just become more educated, all prejudices and angers really do go away. If you, I, in my study of genetics, I thought it was profoundly informative that all the differences in the way we look, this microscopic, literally a microscopic, virtually no DNA difference between the different races on the planet, mm -hmm. that people evolved with lighter skin because they were in the north and there was less sunlight and they had to get vitamin D, and people that stayed in the original uh, basket of creation down there in, in, uh, in the eastern part of Africa, they, they stayed darker because they had to or the skin would, or their skin would, would um, be harmed it, in the yeah. sun. Shorter noses for humid climates, longer noses for dry climates. We're all the same people, people. We just migrated to different places and that mm. created change mm. within us. We all change every moment. And it's this idea that um, our physical self is also programmed to feel suspicious of things that are not identical to us. And that was used in the past for survival, but we don't have to use that anymore. It's not necessary. No, we have a higher faculty now. As the comedian says, we have food now. Well, I mean, you know, because we were raised by, uh, or the last some parts of the world do not, but was uh, raised raised by people that grew up during the um, yes dust bowl mm -hmm. during the depression, and so there was this great lack mentality, which is now being completely overcompensated for. Yeah. Now, still, the idea of the genderism, the idea of the male and the female, still there is a language that females speak, a language that males speak that one can speak in front of the opposite gender and not be understood by the opposite gender. You can speak to your own gender in front of a member of the opposite gender and they will not understand what you said. And it's very interesting. And speaking girl or speaking boy, as it was. And this sticks. This I, is the, the prejudice that is the one that is not so readily overcome. I can certainly forgive it. Go ahead. I think that um, it's the prejudice when we're not um, looking at the total picture, and it's a great love when we are. It doesn't always have to be a negative or a, a combative thing. Yeah. I think a lot of times, um, as far as the sexes, there is a great, wonderful thing. I worked with a guy once that said he felt like his wife had this sophisticated radar system with all these <laughs> satellite dishes, and he was walking around with tinfoil rabbit ears. Just a comment on your... Well, uh, aluminum. Anybody out there get that? I thought that was Yeah, funny. yeah. Okay. Um, aluminum headwear is good. No, that's not the point. <laughs> I know, but I like the idea. Make an aluminum pyramid, that would be good. So just uh, talking about the different languages. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's true. There was, in, in China, a woman fessed up to speaking a different language. And this was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 
went around the world that women spoke a different language. So since then, I've been studying girl. It's a very interesting language. Oh, to I speak. think you've been studying girl longer than that. The language, as such. And certain women study boy. These are the women who can talk about football and things like that. I study like them both. Yeah. But nonetheless, interesting concept. So the male-female separation is one that doesn't go away as easier because certainly we can forgive someone for where they were born. We can give them, forgive them for what they look like. We can, there isn't even anything to forgive. We can, you know, just the entire nine yards of uh, they're wealthier, they're less wealthy. All of that stuff can go away very easily because it was a <coughs> mental construct. The male-female thing, however, is in a different place in the thinking and will cause a, um, I'm thinking about a thousand years from now, we will be dealing with the male-female, doing away with the male-female uh, prejudice. And I'm in the process of writing a book on the subject, so I'll let that go to our next show. Now, I wanted to change the subject again ever so slightly back to the subject of guilt. Something the matter? And, yeah? Okay, so guilt is a very interesting concept because uh, guilt is based on attention. Uh, in other words, when the little child sees somebody talking on the phone, they run over and go, pay attention to me, pay attention to me. And the said parent goes, I told you not to interrupt me when I'm on the phone. And the kid goes, wow, I got a whole bunch of attention. That's great. Now I'll have to act out <clears throat> doing bad things in order to get attention. Okay, now, what we teach this generation of children coming in is that their attention is the most important thing there is. Like the Wrights brothers did not go, hey, do you think we're going to fly the plane tomorrow? Because everybody in the bar would have said no, or they would have said yes, but buy me a drink. So the idea of attention, of your attention, being what is penultimate, being the most important thing for you. Okay. Now, the idea of guilt is guilt being the desire for attention the motivation for guilt is the desire for attention. And the desire for attention will override any other program you've got going. As we said about the parking, about the uh, red light in the middle of the night, which is an example of uh, guilt-defeating logic, guilt will defeat anything you've got going. And guilt is basically to be understood as a desire for attention. Someone else's attention, not your own attention. And then guilt. Well, I see guilt, too, as a desire for other people's approval. Yeah. So therefore, you can have self-approval. Correct. Guilt really is um, a counterflow to the flow of love and, and life. Oh, uh, yeah. And it really does. I mean... It's something that I feel if you can go down in there and, and really get guilt um, it, within yourself and look at it. And, and, and in this way, I, I feel the 12 steps are very useful for a certain place in your life. I do feel that there comes a time when you no longer identify with the disease and you become the healed person. So I do think that there is a step past that. But the, the step of self-forgiveness and sometimes it's a matter of just letting it go and, and not necessarily understanding it. Guilt is not something you can rationalize with, in other words. It's not a rational thought, so it, it really has to get to the place where you dismiss it rather than rationalize with it. 
and forgiveness of self is crucial. And recognizing yourself is bigger than it. Yeah, guilt is um, a very souring thing. Uh, you can be guilty, and within a very short while, um, things that you love, the love is gone. The love is destroyed by guilt. And guilt isn't even real. That's what's so very annoying about it from my point of view, that guilt is a um, conditioned reflex that is... See, when we're raising the small child, and it is a very good idea not to have them run out into the street and be killed because then they'll have to reincarnate and it's kind of hard on everybody's nerves and all the rest of that. So we want to say, don't run out in the street. But there is no day where we say to the child, you are now old enough to know whether or not to run out in the street. There is just no day where we remove all those buttons and uh, um, charge the child with being themselves. You can take care of you now, so go do that. Go take care of you. You can do this now. We don't do that. We keep the child in this place where they are required to earn our approval before they do or don't do something. That's why all the great genius items, the light bulb, the telephone, uh, et cetera, et cetera, were all things that were never done before, all things that were um, in obeyance of the given laws of physics at the time. People just, and I know this is above, this is not a place where humanity is at at this point, but it is entirely possible for us to be taking care of ourselves instead of codependent with others. Well, I think a lot of people um, may be afraid to uh, release codependency because it has been in the, f in the file that's marked love. And so if we look at some of the things we confuse with love, it's pity, yeah. compassion, um, right. empathy, uh, victimhood. And here's where I, I, I really did want, wish to talk about compassion and victimhood. Because let's say someone's within a victimhood state, we give compassion. The compassion funded by love pulls them out of the victimhood state and back into their power. Compassion always leads the other person back into their power, not further in their victimhood. And when your compassion is driving that person down further into their victimhood, that's when it's not compassion and you're really actually contributing to the original thing. So to, to make this clear, compassion always leads the other person to their power. And so if we, in our victimhood, are making some victimizer in charge of our healing, somehow we're leaving it up to them to change or to offer us something that's going to make us no longer a victim, then what we're doing is allowing ourselves to be, we're sentencing ourselves to victimhood. Victimhood and compassion, really true compassion, are in the same place. Mm -hmm. And you can allow people to feel what they feel and not put them into victimhood. You can feel your feelings, just don't do it in the victimhood location. And it, it amazes me today, um, when I look in my, in my life, everybody else's life, when people do feel victimized, how many years they will hold on in that victimhood, mm -hmm. looking for the compassion that will liberate them, but not allowing it to come in because the power is still out in that other person who victimized them. 
So call your spirit back. Yeah, that's why we want people to be self-fulfilling, self-existing in that sense, because the compassion is already there. It is a matter of opening yes, the but door that, to it. But we can help each other to find that. This is and, true. And um, that's, that's how we use but, compassion. Yeah, but there isn't much language to do that with. There, I that do it every a, day. That's what I, I do understand that. I'm just saying in the general population, there is not that option readily available. That's all I'm saying. Right. Okay. Well, no. So let's... Well, I was looking to show people a different way right now. Yeah, that's what we're doing. That's the, uh, mm-hmm. very much the creed of the, the program is to get people to change the way in which we think. It's very important. Yep. So let's ask if anyone would like to call in with any questions. And uh, in the meantime, we'll continue because there's quite a bit more on the given subjects. And these are the phone numbers now on the air right there. 571-749-1166. And if you're listening to this on podcasts or recorded, you can call Thursday nights 830 to 930 Eastern Time at 571-749-1166. 1166, and you can talk to us, even if you aren't watching us live. Yeah. You can watch us live on the Internet at that time as well. Yeah. And it's good All to call in. Yeah. Well, I think that um, I've heard a lot of people, and I felt this way myself, but I have heard a lot of people get torn often. because, Like, let's say somebody is depressed, their boyfriend just left them, and they really could use somebody to talk to, but you've had a long day and you just want to go home and watch TV. And we get into this guilt because our compassion, our intellectual, logical compassion says, always put somebody else first. They're going through a lot more than we're going through, or you're going, I'm going through, so I really should, quote unquote, do that. And so you don't even really enjoy your evening if you do say no. Remember, compassion really does begin at home. You must look and hear what it is you truly want to do. And then use your superpower of self-discipline and power of decision mm-hmm. and make the choice about what's best in that moment. But when you hear you, you won't be having all this um, buildup of anger. Yeah, or guilt. And you won't be way. doing something that doesn't serve the other person. Yeah. And in that situation, you can always remember that the universe is nothing but backup systems. So if you, at that point, do not feel like rerouting your entire energy field and would really prefer to go home and chill out, someone else will appear to talk to that person. It is a guaranteed done deal 100% of the time. Even a a lot of times wrong numbers have to do with equations like that. So it's entirely possible for us not, you know, to feel absolutely no guilt. I was not in the mood to talk. I did not talk. I went home, etc. So, and that person got what they were looking for because it's not our job to, you know, at, uh, at certain times, yes, but there will be someone else that will do that job, guaranteed. Yeah, and that, that backup system is very, very important very wonderful for us to know. And, to know. and that's very important to teach to children. Well, I, I have, uh, I knew somebody one time, they were moving out of their boyfriend's house or the boyfriend mm-hmm. was cheating on them or something like that. And so they decided to leave. And the boyfriend kept wanting them to pay part of the bills, even though it was uh, kind of an uncomfortable thing. And this person was going to continue paying until he got on his feet. And then one Ooh. day said, no, 
somebody in her life said, no, I'm drawing, draw a line. You're not going to be paying that, that person's yeah. bills. Yeah. So she made the decision not to. And you want to know that other person got painted into their corner or hit their rock bottom and they actually jumped from there and got on their feet, got two jobs, paid the bills, and has been a productive member of society since, so to speak. Yeah. And I've heard of many, many cases exactly. when you, yeah. it's not really you, you can be preventing them from finding the thing that's perfect on their path. Yeah. Not that we can really prevent, so but maybe was, delaying. That was enabling yeah. rather than compassion. Absolutely, absolutely. And we have our phone call. Hi, phone call. <laughs> Never been called that before, have you? Hi. hi, caller. What's your name, please? Hi, Neville. Hi, Mary. This is Carrie. Oh, Carrie. hi, Carrie. Nice to hear from you. Yes. Um, so I was calling about this compassion thing. Um, my mom, um, you know, she's um, depressed and she's very quiet. And um, it's just, you know, it's one of those people that you just don't want to hang out with because they put you down immediately. Oh, yeah. And my, um, and my older brother is always telling me and my little brother to interact with her, to try to talk to her, to to do more than just, you know, what we're doing, which is pretty much we're hanging out with her, but we, we can interact with her. And I've tried, I've tried trying to communicate with her, but she's so quiet and she's so hard to deal with that I just want to stay away from her. That's a natural and, instinct. And I can't, I mean, I do have some compassion for what she's going through, but at the same time, I feel guilty because I can't do much more. I mean, it's like, okay. what to do? Let me just, we had talked earlier about the idea of seeding compassion, not from sorrow, but from the idea of recognizing your mother as someone that signed a contract that suggested uh, that she would uh, sort her life in such a way as to make herself very depressed. So you can have great compassion for your mother based on the idea that this is a human being that signed that contract that stated that they would see the depressing side of everything and then feel very proud of them for having made an agreement like that. And then their depression could have no effect on you because you're recognizing the inner spirit of your mother, uh, inspired by your mother. Now, thank you, Mom, for having done that, because now I don't have to be that person, and that's only the first of the myriad of benefits that come from it. Way to go, Mom. That was, that was really, I'm so proud of you for having agreed to the blah, blah, blah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, I, I wanted to ask Carrie if, if that was um, the dog saying hi to me. <laughs> yes. Tell him I said hi. <laughs> yeah, uh, Yeah, well, one thing, I think that's very good, and it's very yeah, true. I don't but know if it went in. Yeah, I'm sure it did. Um, I, I would like to look for a different term, but people that are depressed or complain or whine or whatever, yeah. we all have done it, we all do it, and we may all continue to do it to a certain extent. But yeah, what we do when we complain or whine or whatever and, and even if we have a severe depression, is we're looking for traction in our life and we're looking for power. And anybody that, would, that stays in that place for an extended period of time is assuming that that power lies outside of them. And so what she's doing 
is looking, and I don't want to point this right at your mother, but it's, it's kind of a general right, thing, is through her depression, somewhere she feels that's the only way she has her power because she knows people will feel guilty or be hurt or upset, whatever. Um, and, and I know this is not conscious with your mother, and I'm not saying it's conscious with a lot of people, but they're looking for their power. And when we feed that behavior or whatever, that's why you might feel inclined not to be around it, when we feed it, what we're doing is confirming her illusion that the power is outside of her. So there is a way to lovingly help, help people to find their power again. We don't always have to say, okay, that's it, I'm cutting myself off from you, this is a bummer. And we don't have to sit and feel guilty and come over and feed the illusion of power being outside of her either. And so what you do is you lovingly say, here, don't give me this power, don't give me this power, and keep setting it lovingly back in the other person's lap because we don't want that person's power even if we could have it. Yeah. It's not really something ever that's comfortable to carry around. That is a very good way to see it. And I also wish to say that when you are proud of the person for choosing that life path, you are automatically clicked out of the dimension that they're in. True, and so I think maybe getting totally removed, not proud, not, not mad, just that's them, and, and I'm not going to be emotionally well, invested in I, the illusion. Because yes. to be any kind of an emotional investment in the illusion of the power being outside of someone right. funds it. I'm just saying yeah. that our observation of it can be compassion based on being proud rather than feeling sorrow because the, the field around that person sucks the life out of people. But if you're proud of them for being a life sucker, oh, gee, thank you so much for incarnating that way because I don't have to do it, and you've shown me that that's not the way to go in life, and I'm so happy and I'm so proud of you for having made that sacrifice. That, and it's a very different yeah. way to see it, I yeah. agree, I, but it, it will yeah. we insulate just you from that. We just differ in our point of view there. But yeah. Yeah, that, because to empower it, we, what you look yes. to do, anything that's fictional and an illusion, you, dis, you do not feed it. Mm -hmm. Don't feed it either way. Don't, don't encourage and don't discourage. You are just an objective witness. And when you can feel better, Carrie, is when you're not emotionally pulled into it any, anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's when we find our own harmony in there, which is yeah. always a guilt, a fear, a doubt, yeah. worry. And, and just know your mother's looking for her power, and don't mistake that with her looking for your power. And then you'll always be at a place yeah. of peace with it. And compassion. Thank you. That's a great question. based on not love. sorrow. Yeah. Love. That's, that's my That's my true, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Okay. And I believe it's the dog. Love and pride for the person. Mm -hmm. Thank you for making that decision. Yeah. Thanks, oh. Carrie. Beautiful, beautiful Yeah, great thing. call. Thank you. Call in again soon. Strangely enough, the duck flaps its way here to Merrifield. There's the tangler. Ouch. Okay. Lori, how does it feel to be called the tangler? <laughs> okay. All right. Cards are glued. Card, I got, when there is no enemy within, the enemies outside of you cannot hurt you. The African proverb. I'll say it again. When there is no enemy within, the enemies outside of you cannot hurt you. That is brilliant. African proverb. And Ernest Hemingway would like to remind us that to never confuse movement with action. And that's a very important one. I really do that's see true. that. That's true. Act, all action is a decision. It's not even movement. Yeah. Movement 
is a manifestation of an action. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Great. They are to be distinguished. Very good. Very nice. Take a bow. Thank you. That was a very well done dangling. As dangles you dangler, you. Yeah. The dangling history on the show, that was very well done. People that listen to this on podcast, dangling the duck is, is a little duck that contains uh, quotes now, yeah. sometimes divination cards. All right, we the have quotes, a call. We have our call. Hi, caller. What's your name, please? I'm Jeff. Jeff, what can we do for you? Well, first of all, I'd like to say I like your uh, crystal. I think that's pretty groovy. Yeah, it's got grooves in it. Yep. <laughs> um, I'd like right a there. reading from uh, Mary. Sure. Ah. Sure, I'd be most happy to. Okay. Thank you, Jeff. I, I feel, first of all, just hearing your voice, I, I felt like there, that you've been, I'm not going to use the word, well, I'll just use it, working towards something that's very important to you. And uh, I, I don't know, I feel like when you put your mind to something, you really put yourself into it, and that there's something getting ready to come to fruition coming up. Uh, and it feels like school or something, maybe an opportunity or some kind of fruition from classes you've taken. I'm not really sure how to interpret it. I'll let you. First card is friendliness. This is the card of relationships and marriage and things like that. But also that perfect partnership where you don't invade each other too much. You have your unique colors, but you also create that lovely color between. And the thing about most relationships that are dysfunctional is they're either all both two colors and there's no mixing area, or they're all mixing and there's no separate colors. And so we can be out of balance in both ways by not opening up enough and by opening up too much. And I feel that's something that you're really getting clear about. And it's not just romantic relationships. It can be friendships and uh, all kinds of different things. And that you're you're looking to see things from a higher perspective and, and perhaps you, you're being led to some books and TV shows, movies, whatever, that are going to give you l one more piece to your puzzle that is you. And one more piece, one more piece, and then there comes a day when the critical mass is reached and you can really start to see who you are and you let that part of you come out. And this rebirth would tell me, if I just looked um, straight at all these cards, it's looking like some kind of a relationship that maybe uh, didn't feel right you relook at it again, and maybe you, you start over as a di different type of a relationship or the, the being reborn in a different form. Okay, well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. This is the latest. Um, I know this, this could be a good time for the shot. Okay, do we have another call? I didn't think so. I wouldn't have started. We do? Okay. This is the latest waveform. It's Tiger Eye. And uh, hi, caller. What's your it's name, It's got please? blue and red, yellow tiger eye in it. Hi there. Yes, I'd like to read, please. Okay. Okay. What's your name? Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Thank you, Elizabeth. Hello. It's got some blue tiger eye in it, too. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you sure. for calling, Elizabeth. Let me see. I, I feel like there's been some really big changes with you. When I was pulling the cards, I felt almost like it was hard to let go of certain things, and not in a, in a negative way, like hanging on. I just felt like um, it wasn't time, and now it's time. This integration card, I love it. It's talking about the male and the female, the yin and yang within you, balancing. And when we're in balance with our sun and our moon and all that within, we start 
being able to integrate what we believe about life in with our life and start becoming very authentic to who we really are. And you've done a lot of that work. And I feel also a lot of artistic creative creativity within you. And uh, a, you're very unique. And I think that a lot of times the real you doesn't get out. There's too many defenses that hold it back. The morality card is always parts of us that we judge. If we're ever inclined to judge anybody else, it's because there's a part that they represent within us that we're judging. And now I would say 2010 and 2011 are year, the years of you loving yourself unconditionally and, and dropping anything from the past that may tell you otherwise. And once you do that, that light really does shine and go out there. And I, I feel like you're a, a connector. You're, a, you're somebody that could connect a lot of people and resources together. And I think it's wonderful. It's like an artery of creativity and community that goes through you if you just let go of those things that would hold you back. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. Thank and you is there anybody much. else on the line? We have our next caller. I'm going to be, uh, we are. Okay, you're we going to be what? Uh, it's just very important, the teaching of the Trinity class, which is coming up, I don't know It'll what be, date. Yeah, I don't know. I have not done the yeah, schedule yet. I will be doing July's calendar and August pretty soon, so do check the website. And if you're not on our mailing list, you can go pretty much to any page on our website, scroll down, and you can join the mailing list. Yeah, <clears> the, primarily we think in a bipolar way on this planet at I this know, time. I know, I agree. And uh, the stepping up, the stepping into Trinity thinking is the next step up in the ascension process and does do away with this uh, constant stress we live in because that is funded by polarity thinking. And we have our next caller. Yeah. Hi, caller. What's your name, please? Uh, Evan calling. Oh, hey, Evan. Evan. All right. How you doing? Okay. I was just wondering if I could get a general reading. Sure. And I'll just take it off the air. Thank you. Have okay. a nice fourth. Yeah. Thank hey, you. Hey, come to the restaurant if you get a chance. I think I had a dream about Evan last night. Ah. When I heard his voice, it kind of brought it back. I'm not sure mm -hmm. uh, what it was in context with. Okay, the first card is the burden. And, and I know you've been going through a lot of, of stuff um, in the last year or so. And, and maybe for a while longer than that. And what it's saying <coughs> is to go ahead and set it down. I believe I said on the show before I was in a meditation and a guide said to me, and said, don't take anything out of this moment that you don't want to carry on your back. And I love it. And that's what this card reminds me of, is what have you taken out of your past and conversations and beliefs that belong to other people that are riding on your back and just let them go. Because now's the time to open up and let this life be about you and not about avoiding being you but about allowing you to be you. The lover's card first always begins within before it comes without. But I, I do feel that this is a time when you can really open up to some companionship and friendship and that take that leap of faith and let them in your life. And it doesn't have to be a romantic relationship. It can be anything. But right now is a time to really open up spiritually. And I feel that your father in spirit is also uh, confirming this, that it's really time for you to open up you've been too hard on yourself and who cares who cares just open up to love because you deserve it excellent absolutely excellent okay one more one more one more reading hi caller what's your name please hi this is Amy how are you both tonight 
Hi. Oh, good. What was your name, please? Uh, Demi. Christine. Demi. Jeannie. Jeannie. Ah. And, Hi. Uh, I would enjoy very much a reading from Dear Mary. Okay. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. That sounds lovely for Jeannie. All right. Let's see. The first card, the politics. Well, politicians, because they have to please so many people, find themselves putting on this mask and this mask, and after a while, they realize they can't please anybody, and it's a lot to upkeep. And this is coming up to remind you that even, and this gets back to our, our subject of compassion, you can't please everybody. So you have to really say what's right for me and on my path. And I feel that honesty is a very, very important thing to you, and that is okay. You don't have to sacrifice your integrity in that way in order to have people in your life. If they don't like it, then they can just walk away because you deserve better than that. And we've got this lovely friendliness card again, and it's talking about the unconditional love that we feel for ourselves, and that's how we attract it. So there's a lot of love coming around you and getting you to the place where you know you deserve exactly what you choose to have. And if people aren't like that, they can just walk away. And once you get to that place, you don't really have to force yourself to push through things because your, your true universal magnet, which is love, starts pulling everything to you. Now the intensity card, I feel, is pulling us into a slightly different direction with your work or your life path. And it's saying that you have the, a really great ability to focus on what you love and what you would like to create. And so trust yourself that you can do it. There may be a job offer or something coming your way and just know that you can do it. I can do it. You can do it. It's done. All right. I know I can. We're about to be at Ruby Tuesdays in Fairfax Snorkel, uh, which is very close to Fairfax it's underwater. Snorkel. underwater. Yeah, only during hurricanes. And you're welcome to join us there if you'd like to meet us in person, and that implies you're being uh, within a small circumference of driving distance. I am going to do a tarot class next Saturday. Excellent. I've, I do have that on the schedule. Okay. And we're going to do it for self-development, inner Ooh. development. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to do a little bit of teaching about um, how to use the cards, but it's really a lot of personal development and practice doing readings for yourself and uh, Sounds helping like a lot out of each fun. other. So it'll be a lot of fun. Then the new moon after that. Oh, well, the new moon's always the new moon. Mm -hmm. And we'll also no be doing that. full moon with the bowls. We had a wonderful full moon yeah, yeah. last time with the honeymoon. Yeah. So we're going to be doing the full moon every month with the bowls. Mm -hmm. We've been doing bowl stuff for many years. Yeah, we can start doing yin-yang moves, waxing and, and waning. And um, if people are interested, I'm going to do a level 3 EFT. First excellent. time that um, I'll be offering this for, in quite some time. Oh, excellent. And uh, my regular EFT stuff. So, yeah. telepathictv.com. Oh. And I believe we got a couple more minutes. Is there anything you would like to say? Um, if you are I'll be teaching about uh, a class called Being a Guilt Puppet No Longer, which I feel is another, uh, the amount of material there is on guilt and the percent of our life that it subtracts. If we think certain people are, are capable of removing our life force, that's nothing compared to guilt. And then once you're not guilty, by not guilty, I mean oh. you're not guilty. I don't mean you're guilty. May I? I just mean you're not guilty. May I say one thing? I found out today, I looked at baby formula ingredients. Oh, yeah. And almost every single one, the first ingredient was corn syrup, high fructose corn syrup. Please, please, if anybody wants to get on the bandwagon with this, change infant formula to something that's 
more resembles Nourishes. nutrients yeah, yeah. and nutrition. I was appalled. I yeah. really am. I know there's a blessing, but please no, help me see. they're bringing up the next generation to no, be diabetic. No, toxic. It's toxic. Yeah. We've got to stop this. Yeah, but diabetics, diabetics is the next big growth industry in the medical profession. It already oh, is. I meant to say that outright if anybody thought I was missing. It was our joint honor to take you to the door. Uh, you'll get there when you're ready.